Welcome to season three of the Gamers Change Lives podcast, Esports 101, Building a Business. Over the past year, we've talked with many esports professionals around the world. Our audience knows how to play games, and now they're eager to level up their skills in the business arena. This season aims to equip every esports entrepreneur with practical and useful knowledge to achieve success. Think of it as a mini course, Esports 101. And now your host, Tom Leonard. I'm Tom Leonard. I'm the host of the Gamers Change Vibes podcast. The episode, a podcast where we, we talk about how esports can create jobs anywhere in the world. Play games, create jobs, change lives. In season one, we talked about jobs. In season two, we talked about sponsorship and investment, follow the money. And now in season three, we're talking about how to build an esports business. We're talking a little more how to than before, almost an esports 101 out there. And I'm really honored today to have Mark Almanzor. He's the senior manager of gift processing at Doctors Without Borders. I'll let him say the French version because I will, I will mangle it. So, uh, you know, medicinal soft. Yes. Yes. Is that how it's usually called uh, internally? No, we just call ourselves an MSF. MSF. Yeah. Hey, well, well, welcome, Mark. Thank you for having me, Tom. So today, in today's discussion, which I, I really am interested to hear some details on is we'll go through a little introduction. Then I want to talk a little bit about how esports and charity or nonprofits or philanthropy work together. And then also, uh, I want to talk a little bit about how to make it happen. More of a um, conversation of, okay, if you're a streamer, what should I do next if it's something that I want to do? So first of all, what led you to a career, Mark, in working in nonprofits? Because you've you've been at this for a while. Yeah. Um partially family. I have um, um, a long line of um, families who are in nonprofit or were involved in NGOs. Um, my grandmother worked at the UN. You know, my aunts have uh, worked at various NGOs. And uh, it just what, what's, it, what's an NGO? A non-government organization. So not a corporate entity. Uh, we don't seek profit. I mean, we will look for revenue to keep the lights running and keep our programs going, to keep our mission fulfilled. Uh, but we're not profit driven. Yeah. So my first job out of college was actually in fundraising. I was, uh, I called, <laughs> I was at my university and I would call, uh, alumni and parents to get them to give back to the school, which was a lot harder than I expected. <laughs> yes. Yes. The, the Stanford people have it down to a science. So it's, uh, it's very difficult, but also very fulfilling. Um, so long as I understand clearly what the mission is, I'm all aboard in terms of helping uh, organizations raise funds, um, which is why I've built a career in uh, in fundraising. And I've even launched a, um, a, a small consulting firm called Make Gaming About Fundraising, which really ties in my personal and professional you know, interests. So I'm a, I love video games. I've been playing games since <laughs> since the Atari came out dating myself a little bit. Um, and I just thought there was this big gap currently in the, in the fundraising world with uh, nonprofits where there's a lack of understanding and maybe even lack of acceptance of approaching uh, gamers and content creators and uh, esports teams to help raise funds for uh, their causes. And, um, you know, I think a fun fact I always like to share is that for a lot of big organizations, the average donor profile is someone who's in their 60s and 70s who still mails in checks. 
you know, for an average of like $25, $50, depending on the org, but they still send in stuff by mail. And they've always struggled to kind of reach out to the younger generation. But if you bring up video gaming, a lot of times they don't understand, which is why um, I started my company to help these organizations better understand the audience we're trying to reach. Got it. So, so do you work? Yeah, you know, we're going to go into all kinds of detail on oh, yeah. what you're what you're describing there. Yeah, because this, this is exactly why we wanted to talk to you. Why we wanted to have this conversation. Now, you're in New York, yes. And so, but a lot of the work that you've done over the years has been international, right? At Doctors Without Borders, yes. And then, were you at um, Amnesty International? Yeah, yes. Um, before I was at uh, Doctors Without Borders, I was at Amnesty for about four or five years. So always, yeah. So some some really big, some really well known international uh, organizations out there. Now, are you, are you also on Twitch? I am. I also have a Twitch channel, although admittedly I haven't streamed in a couple of months just due to work, but uh, I'm looking to get back into it this month. What games do you play there? Oh, I play a variety of games. Mostly, um, I started playing, I started on Twitch playing the Monster Hunter series, so Monster Hunter World, Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, but lately I've been playing with uh, one of the great things I got to say about being on Twitch is you meet a lot of great people. And so I started playing a lot of games with other friends. So I've, <laughs> I even delved into Fortnite for a little bit. So <laughs> there's a lot going on. Um, lately, on my last charity stream, I don't know if you've heard of a game called Plate Up. It's uh, you manage a restaurant with your friends and all sorts of hilarity ensue because we're bumping into each other, dropping dishes, making messes. And uh, what's great is there's an audience engagement component in the game. Uh, your viewers can be your guests too, and they can dictate what order to, uh, uh, you know, to what order they want from the restaurant. So if they want to mess with you, they'll order something super complex, and we have no choice but to fulfill their orders. <laughs> no, that's uh, if it's if it's well done. That could, sounds like a really interesting uh, um, game out there. So tell us a little bit more about. We'll talk about the nonprofit work yeah. um, in, in the bigger. Scope, scope of things, but but uh, your MGA fundraising. Yes. What what got you started doing that? Well, well, well first, thing, first of all, what, what is it? And then yes, what got you started? So MGA fundraising um, isn't just my initials. It it means make gaming about fundraising, um, and the whole vision of that is to you know my my vision is to get more organizations to utilize video gamers, video gaming, and that vibrant community that comes with gaming. To help them raise funds. I, I think, I really believe that gamers and their communities are really well built to do things like fundraising because they've already got people engaged in what they do. And if they can succeed in communicating and advocating for an organization's cause, then you've already got a ready built donor pool. But, you know, never mind the donors. I think the best part about it is associating your community with that organization. You know, um, that has downstream effects, too. You know, when you become known as someone who raises money for an organization, that that association uh, goes both ways. So, for example, a really famous example is uh, Dr. Lupo and St. Jude's. Every year he does like a 24-hour charity stream. He raises a lot of money. And now he's become kind of like the face of charity streaming for St. Jude's. And I think having that kind of association just helps with so much in terms of getting credibility in the gamer space because you know there's that too if 
you have to make people understand, make gamers understand why they want to raise money for you. It's very competitive now. And what convincing folks to say, you know, raise money for an organization over another, like what, uh, what, what drives, what gives them a reason to raise money for you is just as important as giving other donors a reason to give. Um, so that's kind of this duality is kind of like the whole crux of my organization because it really is like the combination of being a content creator or a gamer or enthusiast in esports um, on one side. And the flip side is um, being an organization that has a cause but really wants to get the youth to, to really be involved and doing it in a fun way. I always say it, this is the most fun way to fundraise. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a great way to yeah, bring games into just about everything. We're just starting out a little bit of a conversation about the industry itself. Because the question I wanted to ask you, because I knew I know that you would have an answer, is why should people give? Because you've you've been at this long enough to know, you know, how maybe the best the best approach and so on. But why should people be be giving to um, to worthy causes? I think for I really believe that people should give. Um, when they feel like they really want to be part of something bigger than themselves. You know, uh, you can't always ask everyone. So let's say for myself at Doctors Without Borders, not everyone's going to be up for going to a natural disaster area in the middle of nowhere to help folks who are injured. But, you know, if they feel strongly about a cause or, or that mission, then they're knowing that they can give to that organization to further their mission um, is what I believe that uh, is a strong motivating factor for people to give so they can be a part of it, even if they're not really there. And even even small amounts yeah. count, don't they? I mean, exactly. like everyone thinks, oh, I've got to I've got to be rich. I've got to have a lot of money to do that. But it's like, no, if you just give a little bit, it can make it. Absolutely. Like I said, the average donation is like between $25 and $50. Man, which means you've got to, you've got to talk to a lot of people <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. to, to make uh to make that up. So in the, in the nonprofit world, it, there's, there's really large ones, there's small ones. And are, are they all good um, opportunities for, for gaming interaction? Yeah. Um, I've, um, the smaller ones in particular, I think uh, for them, it's a great opportunity because um, when you're in a competitive fundraising sphere, you know, it can feel like you're competing for these large pieces of the pie. But as I discussed, there there's still a lack of you know full knowledge on on in, engaging um, the video game uh, industry and the video game audience. That for small organizations, it's just a potential. There's so much potential, and in fact, some of my early charity streams were with small organizations. You know, budgets of less than ten million dollars. You know, and, and the appeal of utilizing gaming is that it's Generally, there's low cost because most of the cost is borne by the, the gamers or the gaming organizations. They already have their computers. They have their gaming spaces. They have their people. Um, the only real big investment I feel from organizations is time. So time to know more about the industry, the environment, the culture, um, oh. especially gaming culture. I feel like there's a, there's a particular language you know, that people have to adopt when you talk about games and gaming. Um, but it's not like you have to invest millions of dollars to get started with um, 
engaging uh, the gaming community. How do you, if you are giving to to a cause, how can you vet? How do you know that, you know, I mean, if you're, some of the big ones that you know about and you feel okay. comfortable that they're doing a good thing, but if someone pops up and there's like, you've never heard of them before, what's, how can you vet these people? So there are a couple of resources that uh, are publicly available. Um, you can pay more for more information, but generally I like to go to a, a, a website called GuideStar. Um, it, they have uh, the financial information and they have ratings um, to, you know, assess the, uh, the trustworthiness and transparency of an organization. I feel that that's a quick and easy way to do it. Um, but most responsible organi- organizations should have on their websites, if they have a website, um, a financial section <laughs> with what we call a 990. It's a tax form that every nonprofit has to file every year. And it will, um, uh, which probably, it will explain all the revenue and expenses so that you know what your money has gone towards in the past. Yeah, I, I I use it all the time. I always go and I look at I look at the total budget to see you know how big are these yeah you know, just to get a feel, or and then I look at the executive compensation, and see yes see what that is and make a comparison there because yeah. some cases it's just like wow they're making how much on this kind of budget so that, yeah. that, that but that's just personal but GuideStar is something that I have used for years yeah. along those lines. What's interesting about the 990s, you can also see who their big funders are. And yes. so if you have um, questions about who is supporting a particular organization, you know, if you may have a moral quandary, you know, if certain folks are funding an organization. You know, the 990 should bear that out for the largest uh, contributors. Yes. So it's certainly going to be true for, for a U.S. organization. <laughs> Do they have the same kind yes. of um, uh, reporting requirement in Europe? Europe is a little, it depends by country, as far as I understand. So some, some are a little more transparent than others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see, let's, let's talk about esports in particular, because yes. you've talked about it a little bit here. So in a broad sense, why should esports and nonprofits work together? What's in it for the nonprofit? What's in it for the, the esports organization, do you think? Uh, let's start with a nonprofit. So with the nonprofit, um, if we're thinking purely on, uh, you know, business terms, I mean, the marketing opportunity there is immense because what you have with esports, um, you have their sponsors and the, you have their events, you have their location. All of these things are, uh, potential places for your branding, for your logo. Um, and again, aids in that kind of, again, brand association, uh, between the esports organization and, and, and your nonprofit. Um, moreover, it's great access to the, the esports audience, knowing that, um, that, uh, that organization and their community supports you. Um, for example, we have, we, we've seen, you know, Fortnite pro-amps, you know, uh, where pros and amateurs play together for a good cause. I know Doctors Without Borders was the beneficiary of, a Fortnite Pro-Am tournament a few years ago. Um, it's just a, uh, oh, DreamHack does one for, uh, I think, I believe, Sea of the Children, uh, where they have like a, an event that they run. And it's been going on for several years. So do you, they've had time to build up um, that kind of association um, 
and mutual like marketing opportunity. So there's that. Uh, for the esports organization, I think it's a good way to show how they're giving back to not just their community, but um, causes, especially for international organizations, giving back to worthy causes that affect people abroad. And most of the time, from my limited knowledge, but most of the time, uh, the choice of who to support um, comes from internal. So you know that there's been some decision making on the esports team to decide who to support. Um, and because of that, you have that internal backing, that internal buy-in uh, to say, hey, yeah, I'm proud to support X organization. So they're, they're getting getting that kind of internal buy-in and unity um, combined with the opportunities for nonprofits to really get into a space and make a big splash uh, is, is a great reason why both sides should be working together. Well, who, who who starts the conversation? It's like, does it, does the nonprofits are the nonprofits out there looking for esports companies Are esports companies out there looking for nonprofits or who usually starts the conversation? It's a good question. Um, or it's probably both. It's, it is both. Um, uh, but I, I think that it's more likely, uh, that an esports organization would approach a, a nonprofit, um, as I said before, because there's not a lot of expertise in the field on the nonprofit side, various few nonprofits would even know how to begin to, to reach out to someone in esports. Um, however, um, in esports, you know, it's very easy, I think, to just be like, hey, you know, let's go get in touch with the, the director at this, this org and see what we can do. You know, that's, uh, that's how we, I've seen a lot of inquiries happen in my experience in nonprofit is, an interested organization would reach out to us about possible like events to run or um, opportunities for, you know, merch or something like that. It's usually from, in my experience, usually from the, uh, the, the sports side. And, and what do you look for before you say yes to someone it, from, from the, from the, the uh, nonprofit side? Yeah. But yeah. From the nonprofit side, one of the first things we look at is, is there going to be a risk to the brand? You know, uh, what, what kind of risk could that be? Let's say we have an esports organization that's very controversial, you know, uh, especially if their team members are very outspoken <laughs> on social media or, you know, like they like to have um, PR stunts. It's not the kind of stuff a lot of conservative minded orgs are really into um, and they don't want to be associated. So they do a lot of vetting on that end uh, just to make sure they can protect their brand. Um, so, it, like, for example, if you're looking at certain um, Twitch streamers, yeah, there, there's there's going to be pay, there's going to be attention paid to that person's content um, to see if it's within you know the uh, within alignment of the organization, and it'll, and it'll be different for every org. Some some are a little more lenient, uh, some are a little more strict. Um, but for esports, uh, yeah, they'll they'll look at what the team has done in the past. Most likely, uh, any individual members to note. Yeah, and if if they're reaching out, it's like they've already done their 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 due diligence and figure out this to some. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be having the conversation to then say no about. What about the games? What about the games that are 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 um, that you're able to to use? Is is violence okay? I mean, is, can you do a Call of Duty or do you have to stick with Rocket League? <laughs> it depends on the organization. 
Um, Rocket League is very, you know, viewer friendly. So that usually gets by, um, you know, Fortnite, despite its cartoony violence is also fairly widely accepted. Um, I can say that in my experience a few years ago, there were a little, there were some hangups about certain games to be, to be featured, but, um, they're, I don't know if I can actually formally say or officially say, but uh, you know, I, I think they've loosened the, some of the restrictions around what games can be played. Um, for example, I think if you are a, an organization that's focused on like children's health or uh, like uh, child abuse, for example, I, I, did a, I did an event for an organization that uh, runs foster homes. So, you know, we didn't want any games to be involved uh, that involve any sort of children, violence on children, you know. Um, so we stuck to like Mario Tennis, Mario Kart, you know, very family friendly uh, games. Yeah. Long yeah. story short, it depends on the organization. Yeah. Uh, Mortal Kombat is probably not on a lot of people's uh, no, probably not. <laughs> lists out there. So are most, um, you talked about some of the relationships being long-term. Do you, do you think the larger organizations are looking for like one-off or do you think they're looking for a, a long-term, someone that they can start working with every year? If they're smart, long-term. Because when, when, uh, when we talk, one of the first things I, uh, I've mentioned to folks who are interested in learning more about video games and fundraising is it's a classic and what we call in fundraising peer to peer fundraising model peer to peer, meaning it's you're, you're getting your family and friends involved or your communities. Like when you do, you know, like when you do your 5k runs or bike races, it's usually your family and friends help fund you, right? It's the same thing, except it's with video games, you know? So, um, I, I, a great analogy, and again, dating myself a bit, but it's for the audience that I talk to in my, in my, uh, nonprofit colleagues, the Jerry Lewis telethon. Yes. Right. Jerry gets on TV, brings his friends over, have some jokes, have some laughs. Um, and then they encourage people to call in, you know, and, uh, and, and donate to, uh, to his, uh, to his charity. And again, it's the same kind of model. It's just you're using a different medium, video game. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the, the the whole idea of the peer to peer is yeah. It's and you so, want so much more effective, right? And you want someone like a Jerry Lewis who will be there year after year to raise money for for your organization. You don't yeah. really want a one off. You know, you want someone who who can who can raise money for you and then do it more and better next time too. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, um, how much money can be raised? I think it depends on. There's so many variables to that. It's very hard. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see on the on the really big ones. Like I'm not asking you for your numbers internally, yeah. but 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 for a really big uh, um, nonprofit like like where you work there, how much money can be raised? And how about the li the little ones that you've been working with? How what kind of dollars do you think um, you're usually looking at there? Um, I can tell you it's. Oh, I could probably look. I could probably look on your nine ninety form. You probably could <laughs> and find out exactly how much you're. Yeah, oh, with us in, at Doctors Without Borders, we're really um, we're really known for one big event, Summer Games Done Quick, which comes in uh, next month at the end of the month. It's a week long uh, speed running event where we. Race. Oh, so what 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 month is that? Because uh, May. In, at the end of May. So okay, May yeah. 20... I'm not sure when the podcast is going to come out. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, it, it's speed running week long speed running event 24 seven. We have gamers flying through games for, for charity. 
And you do you do a lot of different games on that, right? Yep. I mean, yep. Classic games to uh, more recent games. We've seen Mike Tyson's Punch Out, which is one of my favorites to watch because the guy will do a challenge where uh, the last time I was actually at the event, he challenged the audience, said, if you can raise $10,000 during my block, I will play and finish the game blindfolded. So he did. And then he did it blindfolded. And he he almost equaled his personal best to do it. (laughs) He relied only on sound cues. And, it, and you're and you're talking about it all this time later. So I mean, that, that yeah, just really, really a good way to have it. Yeah, yeah, it made a great impression. Now, I mean, you can only imagine like what the viewers felt watching that. Um, and and I think that's part of a big driver of the funds that are raised in that event too. Is they want to see it happen. They're like, okay, you think you can do it? Here's we had like five dollar dono trains. A bunch of people in chat would donate five dollars. <laughs> so again, it doesn't. Even the littlest amounts can amount to so much. That event raised about four million dollars in a week. No, that's uh, but you know, I think I remember seeing some some people doing. Uh, I, I I play a lot of Borderlands. Yeah, and and there were some some Borderlands streamers that I watch all the time, and they were doing the the speed stuff out there. And I was I was giving money to them. Yeah, that that was actually that was um that was at the event uh, when I when when I was there. It was in 2019. They did Borderlands two speed run. And uh, I was like, really? I got to see this because I love playing. And uh, But that's just, that's just an example of what can be done. And I, I, I have to couch that by saying, uh, games done quick and Doctors Without Borders, their relationship spans almost a decade. When they first ran events for us, it was like, what, $10,000, $50,000 max. You have to allow for, for time to build up, you know, the, the associations, the the that relationship and allow for and i think that's a big consideration for organizations who want to get into it too don't come in expecting to raise a million bucks in your first year of doing it you have to build your audience first build your community and once you've built your community then that's when you can think about conversion and uh, donor donations um but a lot of and you know what also there's also a proportionate relationship between how how much staff is involved in fundraising uh, versus um, what is actually raised. So, for example, um, some of the more successful organizations like Children's Miracle Network Hospital, St. Jude's, they have whole teams dedicated to fundraising via gaming. And just just so, so people know, I mean, St. Jude's is huge. Yes. I mean, if you, I mean, if you're somewhere else in the world, you may not realize that when you say St. Jude's, I'm just like, wow. I mean, that's, they're the Cadillac plan out there. I mean, that's yeah. Actually, not that, I, not, that I, not that I mentioned them. I remember they would, they actually corrected me. They prefer the full St. Jude Children's Hospital. <laughs> they don't like the St. Jude's abbreviation. <laughs> um, but yes. Um, well, good, good for them. Good for them on the branding side. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what you want. Yeah, uh, but they have a whole squad you know, tasked to raising money uh, via gaming. Um, some organizations don't have that. I mean, yes, a lot of them are small. Um, but what I'm trying to get at is uh, how much you invest in eventually, like I said before in the beginning of the show, um, your initial investment is just time, not so much money. But if you really want to get big as an organization, a nonprofit, raising money via gaming, you're eventually going to have to ramp up in order to meet 
you know, uh, your, your expectations of goals for, for fundraising, you know, uh, it, yeah, don't who, cut. Who, who, third, who we did. Um, okay. So, so you're the, you're the nonprofit and you want, yeah. you want to get, you want to get into, um, esports. You, you yeah. think it's a good, good market. Who in the, on the esports side, do you want to be talking to? Do you want to be talking to the marketing guy? Do you want to be talking to the head of it? Do you want to, who, who in the esports organization is the person you would like to be talking to the most? Oh, great question. Uh, that's uh, something that I'm also trying to find the, the best answer to. I've spoken to esports managers, like the manager of the team itself. Uh, I've spoken to marketing folks. Um, and actually, marketing folks have reached out to us, too. Um, if there is someone on an esports team... Um, you would most likely be the marketing person, I think, um, because they're going to be most concerned about how to, you know, how to generate hype for an event or for a partnership with, uh, with an organization. There's usually like a, a, a corporate relations officer as well that, that would be um, useful to partner with. Yeah, because my, my philosophy is always find someone within the organization, make them a hero. Yeah, and it's it's it, it, it's not going to be the head, head the the top guy. You need someone in there that could be your 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 champion uh, uh, inside of it uh, out there. What about sponsors? So let's say if you're an esports organization, and you're doing doing a good job, and you have you have regular sponsors. Can you match up the sponsors with the nonprofit for events, or is that usually not done? So uh, no, it's possible. I don't see it done often enough. I think. With the sponsors, especially if they have a charitable giving, like uh, a matching gift program or a workplace giving program, um, there's great opportunities there to match donations to uh, organization. Um, so if you're sponsoring an event for an organization, um, you can also encourage your employees to donate too and match their donations and thus increasing the impact of your fundraising to that nonprofit. Again, I don't see it often enough. Most most of the time, it's usually like a, a cooperative marketing relationship or um, a straight donation to the organization. Uh, but it's a great opportunity for things. Because one of the things I was thinking is you know, for the smaller ones, it's like for a smaller esports organization, if you can say, oh, you know, we're working with this huge nonprofit. Yeah. That that gives them an opening to be talking to sponsors, maybe, you know, yeah. kind of a validation of, hey, you know, this great, this big um, uh, nonprofit is working with us. So, you know, you, um, maybe you should come join the the event sort of thing. Um, I mean, I, I yeah. always think because if you're small, because the thing is, yeah, I, I'm thinking you're the small guy out there. It's like, you know, just looking for any way to um, to to level up, to to show that, to give them validation out there in the marketplace. Yeah. Validate credibility, I think, is, is important. Uh, and I think that'll, that'll be a great, great way to do it. Yes. Yes. So other than the, if, other than the, um, other than the examples you've given, give us about two or three, uh, events that you thought, wow, this was really creative. This, this is something, things that you, you look at and you say, man, I wish I'd, I had done that. Um, you mean in terms of fundraising? Or? Yeah. In, as far as esports and fundraising together doing something that you thought was really well well done other than the examples you already given herring 
before I go into an esports example, I think one example I can think of um, that was just charity stream. So pure gaming uh, component. So in France, um, there was a charity stream event uh, for Amnesty International that raised like six six something million dollars um, for Amnesty. And that was in 2020. Um, why I think that's important is because before I left Amnesty, I actually pitched an idea to to the fundraising department um, to do something around gaming fundraising. They just weren't ready for it yet. They're like, I don't understand why anybody would want to give to a bunch of gamers. Um, and then in 2020, this French gaming uh, community got together, raised a bunch of money on Twitch uh, for Amnesty. And I was like, ah, that's what I was trying to get at all this time. <laughs> so uh, in a way, it wasn't like, I wish I thought about that. It's more like, what could I have done to get my message across so that they would have, they would have understood me all those years ago? You know, so that when I first saw that, I was like, oh, wow, they actually pulled it off. That's amazing. And I felt really happy for, for Amnesty because they were able to, to benefit from uh, a gaming fundraiser. Uh, esports fundraising itself. I, there are numerous, you know, local tournaments. Um, my one of my go to examples is. Um, universities that uh, have esports clubs um a lot of them do like annual charity events uh, i was i'm an alma, my, my alma mater for undergrad is uh, rutgers and i know that every year they do something for extra life and which is part of children's miracle network hospitals or local children's hospital um and so it, it's a little smaller in scale but it has, you know, that same level of impact because you're 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 giving back to something local, and it resonates more with, um, you know, the, the university community. It's the students there, most most likely the the hospitals in their neighborhood too. It's in New Brunswick, um, but yeah, I think those are the most immediate uh, examples I can think of. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking. Think if you were if you were thinking this long term. And you're the nonprofit. Yeah. You would want to be out there at the university talking to these people that are doing amazing things there. Not that they're going to be huge um, fundraising um, events at that time, but these are the guys that are going to go out and start working in the industry. Yeah. And then you it's a build that relationship with them so they they know you, they know how to work with you. So down the road, um, you never know where, where things are going to go. Glad you mentioned that, actually. And I think that's one of the key components to. We're uh, raising money with this, with the gaming community. You know, like I said, the average donors in their 60s and 70s donating by check, right? Do you really want to wait 40 years for someone to give to you? If you're, if you're engaging them now in their late teens, early 20s, um, you have the potential to have a 40 year plus uh, giving uh, history. You know, you engage them now and you, you succeed in getting them on board with your cause. You're getting them to give for for so much longer. So I'm, that's what I'm trying to get people to understand. A nonprofit is the bigger picture. Forget the fact that these are people playing Call of Duty or Fortnite. These are your potential donors who will be giving to you for 40 years plus. Yes, yes, because I think a lot of times people probably write off the idea that, well, gamers they they don't have any money. 
they're young. You know, it's like they're, they're, you know, they're playing in someone's basement. It's just like, you know, all the kind of stereotypes out there. Yeah. And don't really realize that, that, that the depth of the community that people can have would, would just be amazing. There was a guy that we were talking to. Oh, they were doing some, and now I, I should have looked up the, the information, but in, uh, uh, Galaxy Racer in the Middle East, one of the influencers there did all these challenges online and, and literally tens of millions of dollars came in yep. on Twitch just from that one person just out there doing it. And you know, so you think, well, gamer, you know, not, they don't have an audience. It's like they really do. So they really uh, do. yeah, it's amazing. Uh, hey, I wanted to talk a little bit in a little bit more detail here. I, sure. Take, take your old day, but, but, but I think, I think what you're doing is really, really good. And I think it's something that not many people think about in this level of detail. So I think, I think that's why it's good, but I kind of want to do a little, just a little roadmap of here. Let's say if you're a streamer, let's say if you're a team, let's say if you're a tournament organizer in those three categories, what are the kinds of things, let's say if you're a streamer and you want to be involved and you know, you're not not a huge streamer, what are the opportunities for you as a streamer to be involved in racing? Um, so in my experience, um, just checking out, um, where the organization is at on social media, you know, a lot of times you'll find that there's signups, you know, register to raise money for X hospital or organization. Um, and a lot of, and a lot of organizations do it that way. It's very, it's kind of a, a passive recruitment. Um, but social media, I think is the first key, especially in this audience, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Um, there's numerous ways to find a, uh, a place to sign up to raise money for them. And a lot, a lot of times they have a discord. Now Discord's kind of been a new thing for a lot of nonprofits, you know, uh, like at Docs Without Borders, we've had a discord for a couple of years, but we've only really started using it the past year and a half, maybe. Um, and that's when you can coordinate with a representative from the organization. You know, you might prefer direct email, but most often I find that uh, social media and discord are, the main ways you can get in touch with a nonprofit to help raise money for them. Uh, I think the bigger challenge is if you want to raise money for an organization, especially a smaller one that knows nothing about gaming, you know, or even heard of Twitch or even knew that this was even a possibility, um, that you'll have to do a little bit more legwork in. Um, but one of the things that I've, I've found is that um, by being able to keep things realistic with uh, an organization. Say, you know, like I, I could probably raise a couple hundred dollars, a thousand dollars in this event. Um, what, what would you think would be a way we can partner to do this? One of my friends in uh, Nevada just pulled that off with a, a local children's uh, organization. They had knew nothing about Twitch. And what it took was convincing the person to come on to the broadcast to talk a little bit more about the organization. So he offered up a, an opportunity to talk about what their mission was, you know, on a platform to reach out to folks that they, they could not even conceive of, of reaching out to with their current models of fundraising marketing. Now, um, no, no. Okay. And let's say, let's say if you, if you do that, are there, are there templates out there? Are there, organizations just like okay so i'm i'm a streamer and i'm like hey i want to i want to raise some money on twitch and i've got i've got some followers out there i'm making this up 
it's like so so if i if i want to do that how do how can i actually make it happen are there platforms out there that i can sign up for that will actually manage the or maybe with is is there something within twitch that that lets you do that yeah uh let's first start with um some of the tool thing the toolkits that a lot yes. of streamers need to um you know get the branding if they want to flash it on their screen um a lot of organizations are now building resource toolkits and if, and if you're an organization listening to this if you don't have a toolkit you should make one um you know things you like, can help you know, them do that you know there's a if only there was a company that can do that but uh, you know make gaming about fundraising can help with uh creating your resource toolkits things like panels and overlays um using your logo uh, as a kind of like a stream alert whenever a donation pops up um actually that's one of the things that I, I i like to pitch to organizations is you don't have donors don't have to wait for an acknowledgement letter a week later it'll pop up on screen as soon as the donation goes through you know <laughs> um and then you'll get e an email receipt too um but yes build a resource toolkit so that the content creators who want to work with you whether they're big esports clubs or individual streamers can have um your your logos ready to go on, on their broadcasts. But in terms of fundraising platforms, uh, I've worked with uh, two main ones in the past, Donor Drive and Tiltify. Each of them have made um, giving really streamlined on, uh, on Twitch and, and YouTube as well. Um, Tiltify has a great integration with uh, TikTok, actually. So you can find wow. or on TikTok. There's, you can put... Uh, in, Actually, not all organizations have this, but if you're an organization that has the integration, you can have content creators, you know, um, do a video and then they'll have a sticker you can add to your TikTok and it'll go to your donation page. It, it goes to a URL? It goes to an HTML page? Uh, yeah, I... I don't know what the language is behind uh, the sticker, but you click on but the sticker. It, 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 it doesn't stay on TikTok. You're not... You're not on TikTok any longer. Oh, correct. It'll take you to a uh, your your an external page. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere yes. else to do it. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's yeah. no go ahead. No. No. I no. I think the toolkit. I mean, yeah. talk as much as you want about the toolkit. <laughs> this is what gives people ideas. Yeah. Um. But well, actually, let me go into Donor Drive for a second. With Donor Drive, they have an integration with Facebook and Facebook fundraisers, particularly, and. I find that that's been a great way to expand your potential donor pool because this is a way to reach out to your family and friends who don't really care about your video games but want to donate to your cause anyway. They're not going to go tune into your Twitch channel, your YouTube, but... They're not going to open up your Discord. Right. <laughs> but they'll be on Facebook, you know, because, you you know, your Aunt Martha is wondering why you didn't like her sweater, you know, but <laughs> you know that she'll click on this, on this fundraising link, you know. Um, so... So those are two, uh, Donor Drive and Tiltify are two great platforms if you're a content creator who wants to raise funds for an organization. Um, they'll likely be on there, and uh, that'll be another place for you to sign up, get your toolkits, etc. Uh, but you want to know more about what tool, you know, would be the most successful toolkits I've seen um, are ones that are really consistent with A, their logo usage, B, um, good color contrast, you have dark mode and light mode. You want to have uh, um, two versions of that. 
you want to have uh, overlays that can accommodate folks who want to be on camera and those who don't. There's a lot of, uh, there's a burgeoning trend of uh, what we call VTubers on, on Twitch and YouTube. They're just animated images of the content creator. Um, so, you know, you don't want a camera box. You just want a plain screen. Um, and make it fun. I, I think that yes, that gets lost in the sauce sometimes. You know, the, a lot of organizations will create this toolkit, but it looks so bland. Corporate. Yeah, very corporate. There's nothing fun about it. You know, um, <laughs> it can be cheesy. People can, I think it gets uh, uh, written off, I think, by some folks. Yeah, who wants to do this? But I think that'll go over better with this crowd than, um, than most other audiences that profits are used to. You know, like uh, I know we've to at my organization, we've toyed around with um, logos that shape like controllers or a globe with like a gamer's headset on. And they're like, ah, no, that looks kind of like over the top. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what they want, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could, I could, I could, I could just imagine. I was just picturing working over here at Warner Brothers. And try to get yeah. people there to kind of uh, buy into, but this is really what it's supposed to look like, right? Right, and you need that voice in a nonprofit um, to, to be someone to tell you like that's what the gamers are looking for. So, Wait, is there? Yeah. Is there uh, oh, let's talk. So we're talking a little bit about streamers. Is it any yeah. different for if you're a team? So, if you have a team and you're looking for, it, would you approach it any different, or would you approach it the same way? No, the only difference would be how you would broadcast. If you're, if you don't, okay. First, let me let me just um, clarify that you don't have to be a streamer. Um, there's a lot of great ways to to raise money without being live on camera, um, <laughs> uh, and you don't even have to be a gamer per se. I've seen a lot of content creators do charity cooking streams, for example. Um, but uh, if you're a, if you're a full esports team. Um, with like location, studio, um, it really just depends on how you want to broadcast the activity. Um, assuming you're you're playing in a full tournament, you know you're going to want to be able to pan the different or change screens so you can see the perspective of every diff of different players. So there's a logistical concern there, um, but I think that's well within uh, the scope of what an esports team is capable of. Um, the, the biggest difference between an esports team and an individual streamer is more often than not, individual streamer uh, won't have um, a lot of the inbuilt um, assets that an esports team has. For, like, like I said, you know, sound equipment, studio uh, producers, um, unless you're one of those big streamers, right, who have like a management team and whatnot. Dr. Disrespect. Right. <laughs> he has this whole like unit behind them. <laughs> uh, so, but th th that doesn't mean that an individual streamer can't have an impact or ha can't have a similar impact. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of smaller streamers and I hate saying smaller because we're not really about, I don't really like to talk about people in that sense, in terms, especially in the gaming community. But I've seen folks with communities that aren't as large as some of the others and still raise a lot of money. Oh, it, it would have to be the the level of engagement. Exactly. It's, it's like you, you could have the largest audience out there, and if they're just casual viewers, it's not going to go anywhere. 
But if you have a right. smaller group, but they are, they just, they, you know, the, the community is so engaged. I mean, that's, that's perfect. That's what you want to get involved. Yeah. And you know, what also helps is if the nonprofit has someone jump on the chat, seeing the nonprofit in directly engaged with the contact creator, either, either they're live on the screen with the person or in chat, um, really helps like motivate people. I, I remember I was doing a, stream for extra life and <laughs> random night stream and extra life popped into my chat just said hey you know i want to thank you for all that you do etc so i was like holy wow extra life's in chat guys and there was whoa and it, it makes it so much more worthwhile knowing that the the place that you're raising money for is really there for you too supporting you yeah, because again, you're talking about this years later. So I mean, yes. I mean that that's the kind of, of thing you want people to to be doing. And I'm just thinking how creative you could be, depending on what it is that you're raising money for. But it's like you know, if you're raising money for dogs, have a dog on your on your on your street. You know, it, yeah. have have something that, that's appealing that that you can bring in to make it more fun out there. And so, yeah. in some cases, it would it would match up. Other cases, it wouldn't. But it you just people are. are when it comes down to it, people are creative. Yes. And I think for esports teams, uh, marketing opportunities abound. You know, if you want to raise money for um, a, a, a local dog shelter, you can make like a, one of those dog scarves with your logo on it. You know, you, you, that, it's great. I would buy that. <laughs> yes. Yes. All, just all kinds. And what about if you were a tournament? What if you're creating a tournament out there? You know, maybe an annual event. I mean, because a lot of the people we're talking to are around the world. It's like, you know, they do tournaments. Oh, one of the things that is going to go back really quickly. You're talking about all the things on Twitch. Most things that work on Twitch also work on YouTube because because um, so much of the uh, Twitch isn't as universal around the world as yeah. YouTube seems to be for gaming. YouTube, so, is, in terms of live events... Um, I don't think it has the same volume as Twitch, but YouTube is great on terms of like on demand and people can still fundraise watching, creating YouTube videos for people to watch, you know, all year round. You know, you have your donation links in the description, donation links pop up on the video. Um, it, just because you're not live streaming doesn't mean you can't raise money. And, and that, I think that's something I really want to hammer home is that you don't have to be big twitch streamer you can or twitch streamer at all you can be on youtube you can do it live or you can record a video and as long as you present your your case of why you want to raise money for them and it's actually a really great opportunity because you have a medium yes to be able to to express all that and one of the things that i would always encourage people to do is to ask Make sure that you ask for the donation. Don't just, yes. just don't just assume that oh you're doing all this stuff and you're you're involved with this. But make sure you build into the, the process the opportunity to to ask for the donation because people sometimes feel like oh oh that's you know I don't want to do that do that part. Like, no, you want to do that part. Right, right. You can if you're if you can ask people to like, comment, and subscribe. You can also ask them to give. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, and what, what about um, any difference with mobile esports? Have you noticed? Is, is it does this? One of the things I like hearing you talk about was tw uh, TikTok. Mm -hmm. TikTok, obviously, mobile. 
So, um, in, in so much of our, the audience that we have here and in esports around the world is mobile first. And so, getting every- mobile, uh, the, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I no, thought no, it no. popped into my head. Yes, <laughs> yes, good. That's that. That's why we're talking. Uh, the most common opportunity I've seen for fundraising on mobile is in-app purchases that aren't actually purchases. They're more like, you know, you, you buy this package and it'll go to this organization, you know, and it could be this package of resources for your burgeoning kingdom online, but it'll take a $5 package and that goes towards this organization, you know. Or skins. Ah, that's popular. Just creating skins for, for your game. That it's, uh, uh, I played a game that's not just on, you can play it online, but it's, you can also have a mobile component called Stream Raiders. Um, they made custom skins for several orgs so that your units can have like, uh, a skin for like, uh, what was it? I forgot the name of the organization, but they had custom skins for, for that org. Um, you know, all you have to do was donate, you know, ten dollars or something to 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 that stream raiders link. It'll go towards your organization, and you get your custom skin. Yeah, it, it, one of the things that has always amazed me is is the value of skins. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's just like I mean, if you would have told me that people would build billion dollar companies off of selling, you know, like with Fortnite, I mean, it's or, just or CS:GO. Yeah, it's just like you know, the game is free. We give away the game, but this is where we make our money. I'd said, you know, you crazy no one's going to spend that much money and it's just I, you know it's it's just amazing so that would be another thing to, um for a lot of uh donors or a lot of big organizations to understand you know things like that you know, skins can be really really popular and really lucrative out there and that might not be just top of mind uh, a great example i could think of was uh overwatch uh, a few years ago overwatch did a fundraise overwatch blizzard did a fundraising campaign uh for uh a cancer research organization. I forgot the specific name, but that had to do with cancer research. They had a custom skin for Mercy, you know, the healer of the game. And that raised millions of dollars. Just because that's smart was that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Making making that kind of, of connection there. Hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up here because I guess I, I get to keep talking because one of the things I think is really important is people start thinking about um how how you know, on from the esports side, how to be in because our audience is not the nonprofit side; it's the esports yes. side. And it's like, how can you start working with nonprofits really anywhere in the world? And people, you know, it, one of the things I like hearing you keep saying is, you don't have to be big. You don't have to Absolutely. be big; you just have to be a little creative. <laughs> no, that that's so true. Um, so I'm sorry. What is uh, the question here? No, oh, no, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm wrapping up because otherwise I, oh. I keep talking. So, you know, I really appreciate your time a little bit. We'll put the links in here of some of the things that you've talked about. Yeah. Um, and also to your organization, uh, your, your company there that, uh, what, what is it again? MGA? Yeah. Make gaming about fundraising. Make gaming about fundraising. Fundraising. Do you do international work or just in the U.S.? So far, just in the U.S. Um, we only just started, uh, late last year. So, we haven't really explored opportunities abroad, but I'm always open to consideration. Yeah, well, certainly in your your, um, your current job there at at, um, at MSF, I mean you 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 have a feel for international um, operations. You know, on the, on yes. the fundraising side, you know, I'm, yes. I'm sure. So, okay, no, I really appreciate it. it's been a little 
a little time here and people will uh, we'll put some um, links in there of how to get a hold of you. So it, here in season three, we're doing two new things, which I talk about every time is we're doing um, exercise worksheets. So you can go to and in, in on the page and you can download, everyone can download the exercise worksheet to kind of put the conversation in context to make you think a little bit more about what it is that we're talking about. Second thing we're creating here is a Facebook group. So we've had, we have a Facebook page and we're really, you know, really clever. All the people have signed up for that because we've been doing really well over there. But we want to have a Facebook group and to have people be able to engage with each other uh, out there. And we're going to start on Facebook. Who, who knows? Maybe someday we'll have a Discord channel. It's like, so, so again, Mark, thanks for your time. Tom, thank you so much for having me. Yes. So this is the Gamers Change Voice podcast. Play games, create jobs, change lives you've just heard the gamers change lives podcast if you enjoyed this episode please take a moment and leave a review and if you haven't subscribed do so right now so that you can stay up to date with episodes as soon as they're uploaded and so you can hit the ground running on changing your esports adventure forever you can also visit us at gamerschangelivespodcast.com play games create jobs change lives thanks for listening Thank you.